Coming up on NRL Teams, Dean Pay leaves the Canterbury Kennel after being told he won't be required in 2021. We discuss how the coach's immediate exit will affect the battling Bulldogs and whether Trent Barrett is the right man to replace him. Valentine Holmes' return season in the NRL could be cut short. The Cowboys' number one recruit is facing 10 weeks on the sidelines after undergoing ankle surgery. The Raiders have been left reeling after two more season-ending injuries. So will last year's runners-up any chance of getting revenge in the grand final rematch? And Benji Marshall returns to the West Tigers' starting side, but will Luke Brooks be alongside him after struggling to find form in 2020? Hello and welcome to NRL Teams brought to you by Telfast. Yes, so many questions. Hopefully we'll have the answer to that. All of them uh, shortly when the teams drop for round 10. But the biggest news in the NRL at the moment is that Dean Pay has walked away. He has quit uh, from the helm after two and a half years in charge of the Canterbury Bulldogs. Uh, Brett Kamali, Robbie Farrett's a big story, one we expected. But given the timing, he was told he wasn't uh, needed beyond this year with the club. You've been through it a fair few times with the West Tigers. What effect does it have on the playing group, especially considering there's up to 10 players that are off contract themselves? Yeah, I think first and foremost, there'll be a lot of motion for them this week and they'll go out with a, a point to prove. And um, as you said, a lot of players off contract, a lot of them playing for their futures, for their careers and, and their next contracts. So, um, but emotion only lasts so long as well. And look, I feel sorry for Dean. I think um, the dogs have been aside this year that they haven't lacked effort. I think they've gone out there week in, week out and, and they've played with a lot of effort. I just think they lack a lot of quality um, in their squad. I think their recruitment... Uh, over the f last few years has left a lot to be desired. So I think anyone that comes into the role um, as head coach now at the Bulldogs, it's going to take some time to turn that club around. Yeah, I think it's always disappointing for a coach not to be able to achieve what he set out to start. Uh, he came in at the back of a tough time on the back of Des Hasler. They've gone back to knowing the Canterbury system of old, so that's why they probably brought Dean Pay as a front-runner. The disappointing part, I suppose, is that they've had to make a decision now, I think, to, 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 to make... Amends for moving forward. They need to now find a new coach because they knew it wasn't going to be Dean Pay as it sounded. Uh, those 11 players that are off contract, probably more of them that are waiting to see who the coach is at Canterbury before they either sign or recommit. So a big part of the jigsaw is that this is the first stage. The next stage is, you know, they'll appoint whoever that new coach will be over a period of time. Then it's building that roster. But they're, as you said, they're way off the pace. Yeah. Uh, I think they're a couple of years in a pretty big, pretty solid rebuild to, to be competitive. OK, the man at the top of the coaching candidates is uh, Trent Barrett, the Panthers' assistant coach. Of course, he was in charge of Manly for three years. Let's look at his uh, winning percentage when in charge of the Seagulls. 29 wins, uh, 44 losses. They finished sixth in 2017. But, uh, with Robbie, with a, a record of 39%, and the fact that there's always seems to be so much unrest at board level for the Bulldogs. Is Trent Barrett the right man to take over? Yeah, look, I've had Trent at origin level and I always rated him as a coach. He's a really good communicator, a great footy mind, footy brain. I think he's had a really strong impact on the way Penrith have played their football this year and um, you know, the way he's worked with the halves there. I think they've come on in leaps and bounds. So... Um, look, personally, I think the Bulldogs probably need an experienced coach. Um, I think they're, as we said, it's, it's going to take time to turn that club around. It might not be the job that Trent wants. Um, you know, as I said, it's, it's kind of a job there that I think there's going to be a, a lot of short-term pain before he gets a long-term long gain. So, um, 
In my opinion, I think they probably need a bit more of an experienced coach. But uh, as I said, I've got a big rap on Trent Barrett as well. So if he does get the job, I think, given some time, uh, he can turn that club around. But it's not going to be um, yeah, any time in the near future, All right, St- Steve Georgialis takes over in the interim. But here's what uh, Phil Gould had to say on Channel 9's 100% footy about the Bulldogs moving forward. I think it's in the best interest of the Bulldogs to move quickly and make a statement as to who's coaching because that affects their recruitment and their development and everything else that's going on with the club. They're already gone for this year. They're not going to make the eight. So everything they do between now and the, the end of the season is a run-up into the off-season, which is a run-up into next year. They need to get 2021 activated tomorrow. Noddy, your name has been banded around as a potential uh, candidate as part of the coaching staff moving forward. If you were approached by the Bulldogs, a club you've played for in the past... Would you happily take up a role? Uh, probably no, not a full-time role, no. Uh, obviously, I've, I'm a four children, three of them still at school. Uh, that's a, a big important part of my life at the moment. So uh, I'd, I'd like to be a part of, in some regards, not so much Canterbury, but probably I suppose as a specialist coach or bits and pieces where you can chime in and chime out. It's so time-consuming. Uh, it can cheer you up and affect your life very quickly. And I don't, I don't think I have that time at the moment. Uh, great news for all of our uh, viewers out there. Noddy is remaining with NRL teams moving forward. A yeah. big win. Yeah. Uh, your MVP votes for round uh, nine. Yeah, I thought Ryan Pappenhausen was outstanding for the Melbourne Storm. He got my three points. Uh, Nathan Brown ran for over 250 metres, I think it was, off the back fence on every occasion. And Ben Hunt got the opportunity to start at dummy half uh, for the first time this season. And I thought it worked great for the, for the Dragons. So he got my one point. Robbie? My three points was uh, Tavita Pengai Jr. I thought he was outstanding moving back into the middle for the Broncos. Two points, James Tedesco. Um, I thought he was outstanding uh, for the Roosters. And one point to a winger on debut scoring four tries. Charlie Staines. Staines. The Ferrari. How good was it to see uh, him racing down the right edge? Uh, the teams uh, are now, I think, officially in. Yes, with the buzzer for round 10. What a way to kick things off. We've waited uh, a lot longer than what we hoped, but they're finally facing off the Roosters against the Raiders. A return to the SCG for the grand final rematch. Matt Ikevalu survives after his five-try effort against the Cowboys, despite the return of Brett Morris. That sees Ryan Hall drop out of the back line. Jake Friend has been named despite failing his HIA on the weekend. Fellow co-captain Boyd Cordner returns, so he and Angus Crichton switch sides and Mitch Orbison drop to, drops to the bench. Pawasa Farmasili uh, falls out of the 17, while Isaac Liu could be a late in as he battles to overcome a rib injury. Only nine of Canberra's 17 that played in last year's decider remain for this showdown, Jordan Rappiner was one of them and returns to the starting side, replacing Bailey Simonson, who is out for the rest of the year with a shoulder injury. Josh Hodgson is the biggest casualty for the Raiders this season, with the club's co-captain suffering his second ACL injury. Silva Havili fills Hodgson's shoes with fellow hookup Tom Starling set to play his fifth NRL match off the bench. Elsewhere, Joe Tarpany and Kai O'Donnell swap places while Curtis Scott is back in the game day squad. Two brand new number sevens we didn't see uh, in October last year on the last day of the NRL season. Let's take a look at how uh, Kyle Flanagan and George Williams have been faring in their seasons so far 2020. Uh, some reasonable numbers there, especially with George Williams uh, with a try assist. But Kyle Flanagan, Noddy, let's focus on the Roosters halfback. Yeah. If we started the year, or at the start of the year, we probably thought George Williams would have completely dominated those stats. Have you been uh, surprised by Kyle Flanagan's form? And, and what has he 
What has it resulted in for the Roosters? No, I haven't been surprised because I've spent some time with him at Cronulla and I think he's a very talented player. He's a very much a Cooper Cronk clone, so he suits the style of footy that they wanted to play. Uh, he's not sort of a guy that takes the ball to the, to the attacking line and has a lot of shape of him. Really good support runner. That's why his tries are a lot higher than George Williams. Uh, he's got a couple of try assists. He's got a great kicking game, uh, kicks the goals, and, and in theory, all he's got to do is do his job because he's got so many quality players around him at the, at the Roosters that he's not the, the one and all that they've all, he's all they've got. The Raiders, uh, they're battling for troops at the moment. They lost two more senior players on the weekend. Josh Hodson, the big one. We showed their team graphic uh, of players missing last week. Let's take a look at the Raiders who are missing this week. Josh Hodgson, Bailey Simonson, Sia Soliola, John Bateman, Corey Horsburgh, Emre Goula. But let's look at the focus on the number of games of experience they're missing there at the bottom. 840 games of NRL and Super League experience. It's a massive toll that the uh, Raiders haven't seen for some time. Ricky Stewart has never had it during his uh, long coaching career and here's what he had to say about the critics were already writing off the Raiders. Yeah, you turn into the year it's up there with the premiership favourites people are writing off now I don't give a I don't give a what other people think. I just said it. What do you say to the boys if they get their heads down? Mate, we won't get our heads down I promise you. We lost every other game of the season and I had the same effort that we had tonight. I'm a happy coach. Yeah, Ricky Stewart uh, didn't mince his words there. Robbie, obviously the coach is going to be supportive and think the Raiders are still a shot, but do, does that injury toll end their dream of getting revenge later this year? Oh, it definitely makes it a lot more difficult. And when you look at that injury toll, they're all long-term injuries. So it's, it's very hard to replace... You know, that calibre of player and their, te their depth is going to be really tested. But, look, I think you'll see a playing group that will reflect the attitude of their coach. Ricky will have that siege mentality, you know, built into the playing group now where, you know, they'll go up this week against the Roosters and no-one's given them a chance. And they'll know that no-one is giving them a chance and they'll take that attitude into the group. They've got nothing to lose. And, well, they've still got a lot of quality throughout that squad. I think there's going to be a lot more... Uh, pressure and importance placed on the role George Williams is playing. He was almost playing... You know, when you've got Josh Hodgson there at nine, who's a really controlling dummy half, it allowed George Williams to kind of come in and come out of the game as he pleased. Whereas now, you haven't got a noted number nine there, so their halfback really needs to step up and take control of this team. Yeah, you're right. Because Havili's just a runner. Yeah. He's a runner or, or you'll pass off the ground. He's not a sort of ball-playing dummy half. I, I agree with Ricky and I agree with you that they'll have a dig. They'll play yeah. really... He'll be proud of his team when this competition finishes. But there's no way you can lose 840 matches of experience in the calibre they've lost and go, hey, we'll still compete for the premiership. And we'll compete in the game, but your talent's not going to be good enough, I don't think, to be in. No. I don't think they'll make the finals as quickly as they'll slide backwards now. OK, well, that's a big call. But uh, we've identified a trend with the Raiders' attack in 2020. They love going right. 60% or more of their shifts have been uh, going, uh, sorry, going left, uh, which results in more tries down the edge of Croker and, of course, Elliot Whitehead. They've scored six tries down the right edge. But, Robbie, the fact is they've only scored one of those through the hands. Five of those have come off kicks. How hard is it on the run to change their attack when it's so dominated one side? Yeah, well, you look at their right side last year where obviously you had, uh, you know, Cesar Leilua, Rapana. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty destructive right edge. Bateman. Uh, Bateman. Yeah, they're all not there this year. Yeah, it's a completely new right edge. They've obviously taken some time there to, to work on those combinations and build those combinations, whereas the left edge is very familiar to them. Uh, same left edge as last year. White and Croker, Kotrick. Um, and obviously they feel a lot more comfortable going down that edge, and that's what we've seen so far this year. As funny as this sounds... Most people pass the ball better right to left than left to right. 
they execute plays better right to left than left to right. That's true, but they're professionals, right? So they've got to be able to yeah, do it. Yeah, both exactly. Ways. That's what I'm saying. So maybe George Williams, if he's on the right, he's got to get the ball more, as you guys said before. We've got to move on. There's another <laughs> games, but if you want to tune in for that one, you can catch it on Nine, Foxtel, Sky New Zealand, uh, and of course on KO and the Telstra Live Pass. Let's move on to the second game the Storm and the Titans at Sunshine Coast Stadium. They've been travelling okay without him, and now the Storm get a major boost with Cameron Munster making an early return from an injury. Not enough. We'll throw in Maroon's teammate, Felice Kafusi. He comes back after missing the win over the Raiders with knee swelling, meaning Tino Fasua Ma'alawi is back on the bench. Jesse Bromwich is missing with a medial ligament injury, so Brandon Smith will take his place in the front row. Let's look at the Titans after struggling for outside backs in recent weeks. The Titans have named a brand new centre pairing, Brian Kelly and Philip Sammy will no doubt provide a spark out wide. That sees Bo Firma return to the back row alongside Keegan Hipgrave, who wasn't expected to be named after injuring his shoulder against the Warriors. Ash Taylor has been named despite failing a HIA in the same match. Meanwhile, Sam Stone is on the reserves list and Bryce Cartwright isn't in the 21. Noddy, since Jerome Hughes returned a few weeks ago from a broken hand, he's had to run the show yep. uh, without Cam Munster. If you're Craig Bellamy, what do you want to see from your number seven this week, given the more experienced and better superior playmaker returns alongside him? Well, I think Cameron Munster should get the ball when Cameron Munster calls the football. But I think what Jerome Hughes does, I think he's got Smith inside him and Munster outside him. I think he forgets about playing the game himself. Uh, we saw last week, I think, or was it two weeks, he scored a really good individual try. Uh, two right foot steps it was against the Roosters. Um, don't forget, you know, he, he missed some football. They moved Cameron Smith to half. He's, he's, he's a little bit playing for his future as well. They haven't really settled on the genuine who's the seven for Melbourne. Riley Jack's played in that sixth position. So uh, I, I would like to see him be more selfish, like he did in some of these matters. And then, you know what, if, he, if he's the dominant half, the others will get the ball when they want the ball. He's got to be the, the owner of the, of the team. All right, let's look at the Titans. They had a good win, uh, come from behind win against the Warriors last week, but that doesn't guarantee success this week against the might of the Melbourne Storm. Back in round four, of course, they defeated the West Tigers. The next week, they suffered uh, a big loss to the Rabbitohs. Then they had a great win over the Broncos in, in that Queensland derby, but then they got the points piled on uh, by the Sharks. So last week they beat the Warriors. This week we don't know what's going to happen. If you're Justin Holbrook and the leaders of that club, Robbie, how do you buck that trend? Yeah, and I think that's something I'll definitely speak about this week. Every win they've had this year has been followed by a heavy defeat and there's no bigger challenge than coming up against a, a red-hot storm side. So, look, I think uh, the fact they've got Kelly and, and Sammy back in, in the centres will give them a lot more balance out wide. Last week they had Bryce Cartwright and... Um, yeah, uh, Fimor, is that how you say? Yeah. Uh, yeah, out wide, and I think they struggled, generally back rowers. Um, but, yeah, you'd like to see the Gold Coast, whilst it wasn't a, a great win last week against the Warriors, this is obviously a step up in class this week against the Storm. And you'd just like to see them compete um, yeah, and not have that heavy loss that they've had backing up after a win you know, the previous two times this year. All right, let's take a look at the late game on Friday night. The West Tigers against the Broncos in our return to Leichhardt Oval in 2020. Uh, Friday, 7.55pm. Mass changes for Michael Maguire's West Tigers. Halfback Luke Brooks has been dropped to the bench with Billy Walters handed his fifth NRL start alongside Benji Marshall who returns to the starting side. Of course, Josh Reynolds is suspended for two weeks. Chris Lawrence remains in the centres, but Tommy Talao is back on the wing, forcing round nine rookie Reese Hoffman out. 
Russell Packer has been recalled up front, while Sam McIntyre is back on the bench, along with Chris McQueen, who hasn't played in the NRL since August last year. Plenty of uncertainty about how the Broncos will line up on Friday after a dramatic day at training today. Anthony Seabold is confident Tessie New will play despite leaving training early. The same goes for Xavier Coates, who wore a non-contact bib as he battles a thigh issue. Herbie Farmworth is less likely to face the Tigers after he appeared to fail a fitness test at Red Hill. Richie Kenner trained in his place. Ben Teo starts in the back row in place of skipper Alex Glenn, who will miss up to eight weeks due to a knee injury. That's his third ailment of the year. There's also still no David Fafida, Katoni Staggs or Matt Lodge. Big names all missing in the Broncos' 21-man squad. The only good news for the Broncos this week, Joe Offerhangawi returns from suspension. As I mentioned, Luke Brooks uh, dropped to the bench. That's the big news coming out of Tigertown. Let's take a look at his numbers so far in 2020. He's played seven matches for two tries, one try assist, uh, five line break or line break assists, three forced dropouts. The big number there is a try assist number compared to his numbers in 2019, 16 try assists. Uh, Noddy, uh, was it the right call to drop Luke Brooks to the bench and how will he benefit? Well, I don't know if it's so much about the attack that Luke Brooks is firing at the moment, but more about his defence. We've heard the fact he's missed nine tackles last week. Uh, we know that Benji Marshall was not made, well, probably made a little bit of a scapegoat the other week with the fact that we want to be more consistent. We need to be toughened up defensively. Um, it's, a, it's searching, isn't it? It's Michael Maguire searching for a higher standard and a higher consistency from the West Tigers. So if you've got talent, that's not good enough. We need to see your best or as close to your best as you can every week. Um, and, and it's good that I think Madge puts them all on notice because he, he wants them to lift their standards a lot higher. And if the players can't go to that, then at some stage I'll seek new players. Robbie Benji Marshall uh, returns to the starting side this week. If you're Michael Maguire, what's your message to him given he's alongside Billy Walters, who's never played in the halves at NRL level? Yeah, look, I think Benji will come in and just do, do what he does every week and take control of the team. Uh, it doesn't matter that if he's got the six or the seven on his back. Uh, I think... The fact he's got the seven on his back will, you know, just he'll step up and he'll allow Billy Walters just to, to do his thing without worrying about controlling the team. And, you know, Benji obviously gives him a lot more experience, a lot more game management. Uh, he's not as quick as he used to be, uh, old Benji, but, um, you know, he's still got a lot of smarts about him. So um, I thought when he came on off the bench last week, he really added to, to what they were doing with the ball. And um, I think, you know, him in the seven jersey this week is a positive. He's got to D up well, though. That's, that's why I was dropped, a bit like Luke Brooks. Oh, definitely. And, and you don't want to be leaking tries. You've got to make your tackles. You know, um, Jai Field, he talked about that on the weekend. He made some of the biggest tackles there was against Newcastle on that left edge. They just went, we're coming at you, coming at you. He made his tackles, did his job. Mm. Happy days for the, for the Eels, that is. I know, but, that's, but I'm saying that's what you got to, you're expected to do your job. I know it's not easy, and I know everyone misses tackles, but... Michael Maguire's put a line in the sand and said, we want to stay above that and then we want to go to the next level and the next level. So you can't let it inconsistency creep in. All right, the Broncos are plenty of injury dramas up there. But Zach, they won. But they won. <laughs> All right. They've got to be full of confidence. They would be they played bad. That wasn't a great game. But they yeah. would have to have turned up the training this week with a bit of spring in their step, feeling good. Because as a footy player, you return the form very quick. Yeah, sometimes. It was like the Dragons. We spoke about it earlier this year yeah. where... You lose one, two, three games in a row, losing becomes a habit. And yeah. the, it's almost like the harder you try, you know, the more things go wrong for you and you don't know how to get yourself out of it. And sometimes all it takes is that one win to turn things around. And the Broncos got that win on the weekend. Uh, as you said, they'll be full of confidence coming down to, to Leichhardt this week. It's, it's great that we're back at Leichhardt, so hopefully it'll make it very tough for them. But um, 
Yeah, look, I think they'll, they'll definitely grow in confidence. Even though it wasn't a great win, it was a win. Uh, gets the two points and, um, yeah, I'm sure they'll be looking at getting another one this week. But as a senior player, how do you make sure that the younger players in the team keep a lid on it? Well, it, it, they can't get carried away. It was one win. So it's not, <laughs> it it's not like they should get, you know, get ahead of themselves and think that they're going so good that they can be complacent. Like, they're coming down to play a Tigers team that's been going quite well and at Leichhardt it's even a, a tougher prospect for them. So, look, I don't think that they're going to get ahead of themselves. If anything, as I said... They'll take a little bit of confidence out of it, but they'll know that, that they've still got a lot of work to do. There's no crisis meetings, there's no criticism. Oh, it's, football's easy. It, you know, I mean, it just makes it more relaxing yeah. in your preparation. So as you said, now it's like, oh, OK, boys, we've, we've got to keep playing good now. Well, yeah. they would have loved, though, to have David Fafita back. He's still a couple of There's about five week. clubs that would love to have David <laughs> Fafita. <laughs> that, that is very true. We've got to move on uh, to our next match. The Dragons against the Bulldogs, who, of course, have a new coach. Saturday afternoon footy at Wynn Stadium. Just the one change for the Bulldogs, and it's a forced one. Jason Saab returns on the wing after Jordan Pereira was suspended for a second time this season. He'll miss two weeks for a shoulder charge on Ruben Garrick. Steve Georgialis names his first team as interim head coach of the Bulldogs. Nick Meaney is at fullback after he and Dallin Watene Zalesniak swapped last week. Kerrod Holland earns a start with Remus Smith suspended again. He'll miss a week. A new coach has re resulted in another halves change. Lachlan Lewis is back alongside Kieran Foran with Brandon Wakem dropping to the reserves. Jeremy Marshall-King is at hooker after Sione Katsoa started there last week against the Broncos. Meanwhile, Jake Avarillo, another player caught up in a COVID scare, has been named in Jersey 20. His parents attended the Crossroads Hotel in Kasula. Noddy, the Dragons piled on the points against Manly. 34 of them, three tries in the last 10 minutes. What does that say about their mentality and their willingness uh, to go on and, and get the job done when, they're, when they're, they're, they've already got the foot on the, the yeah. vote of the opposition. Oh, oh, it was a good win for him. As I said, the week before, I thought they were extremely poor against uh, South, it was. And, and they had to respond. I think Tarek Sims sort of brings that toughness to him a little bit, keeps him in the, in the, in the, in the experience of the game. Um, they scored some good tries. Matt Dufty's... I don't know what happened to Matt Dufty this season, but he's, he's found some form that he, we don't, haven't seen probably too often from him. He's got lots of consistency. Uh, they've got a genuine seven now that they've settled on. Like, Clune seems to be that guy that just steers them around, builds a game plan. Now, they had that indifference of halves last year. Ben Hunt playing dummy half. They're, again, another tie that's sort of tweaking with their starting lineup and getting what they want. And I thought it was a good victory for the Dragons. It was. Uh, back in round four, uh, Robbie, the Bulldogs had a big 20-point win over the Dragons. A lot's changed since then. Can they draw anything out of that? Well, it's funny. You look back then and it was which coach is going to be sacked first. Yeah. And Mary was under the pump after that loss. And we fast-forward you know, five weeks. Mary's still in her job. Uh, Dragons have won a couple of games. And... Bulldogs find themselves with a new coach this week. So, look, they'll take a lot of confidence out of it. I guess when you come up against a team you've already beaten, uh, you take a lot of confidence out of that. And, look, for them, obviously, this week, it's going to be a week full of disruption and uh, change going on within the club. So, mentally, is going to be uh, the challenge of the test is going to be how they turn up mentally. The, there'll be emotion in the game, but emotion runs out after the first 10 or 15 minutes and then quality takes over. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Bulldogs turn up this week. I just think they lack quality in their squad this season. It, it's, it's hard. You can play with effort, which they've done, but I think uh, across the board, uh, they just lack a bit of quality. So that's going to be the test for the Dogs. OK, uh, we've got to push on to the next match. The Rabbitohs take on the Knights uh, after their win on the weekend against the West Tigers. This is at Bankwest Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Alex Johnston shifts to fullback with Latrell Mitchell accepting a two-match ban 
for clocking Josh Reynolds over the head. 20-year-old Jackson Paulo has been named to make his debut on the wing, while on the left edge, Dane Gagai shifts to the centres, with Corey Allen set to play his first NRL match in 2020. Mark Nichols will only play if he has his Grade 2 charge downgraded at the judiciary tonight. If he's unsuccessful, he'll get a two-match ban and could open the door for Jack Johns to make his NRL debut. In form prop, Daniel Saifidi is facing a one to two week stint on the sidelines after suffering a knee injury against the Eels. His twin brother Jacob fills his shoes in the starting side. Connor Watson's return after ankle surgery on the bench forces Tex Hoy out of the night 17. After nursing a neck injury, Mitch Barnett returns for his first hit out since the break in the NRL season. Sione Mataudia is also back after missing last week, while Aiden Guerra will play his 200th NRL match on Saturday. Uh, elsewhere, Herman SASA, he'll join uh, the Titans in 2021 on a two-year deal. Uh, Noddy, Adam Reynolds played his best game of the year on the weekend. If he continues that form for the rest of the year, can the Rabbitohs make a genuine run for it? Oh, they'll certainly be lacking without Latrell playing for a few weeks. Uh, I thought Latrell was starting to find some form. You know, it was great to see Adam Reynolds run, run the ball. You know, I think the biggest criticism for Adam Reynolds is he, some, he can sometimes just get kick-happy uh, and just steer the ball around to Cody Walker and now Latrell Mitchell. So it was great that he ran the ball, great that he was part of the attacking form. Um, we know he's a talented player, but we just don't. I feel like you just don't see him run the ball or want to run the ball often enough. So that's a good sign for South. Is that the key for Adam Reynolds' game, to, to run and run at the right times? Yeah, definitely. We've spoken about it before. Sometimes he gets into the habit of of just trying to steer the team around and just pass and kick and, and not being a threat himself. And as we said on the weekend, uh, he was back to to running the ball and, and he definitely threatened the line. What about uh, Connor Watson? Uh, he's back on the bench for the Knights. We haven't seen him since round three when he suffered a nasty ankle injury. What does he bring to the Knights bench that Connor Watson does, uh, that Tex Hoy doesn't? Well, I think with, with Connor Watson, he can cover so many positions. Uh, yeah, he brings a lot of spark and energy. He's so quick, whether it's at dummy half or fullback or in the halves. So um, I, I think he's a player this year that we, we haven't seen because of injury, but I think he's a player that can really suit the new rule changes. Uh, and I think he can really add a lot to this Newcastle side coming off the bench. All right, we've got to push on to the next match. Uh, things were a lot different for the Seagulls a month or so ago when they faced the Eels. They take on the ladder leaders at Lotto Land on Saturday night. Let's see how the Seagulls line up. Despite coming off three straight losses, Des Hasler has made only the one change. Corey Waddell is on the bench for Morgan Boyle with Taniela Paseca set to start up front in place of Adam Fenor Blake, who is missing again this week. Life is looking pretty good for Parramatta with Brad Arthur naming an unchanged 17. Stefano Otoi Kamanu is named on the bench after he was cleared of COVID-19. He was caught up in the moment following his NRL debut and mingled with some fans. Uh, he only got on for one minute as well, which was uh, pretty funny. Since Sunday, he has been isolating from his teammates but will return to training later this week. Noddy, after Turbo and Dylan Walker went down, we stood here and we said, what's a pass mark for Manly over the next six weeks? You said they've got to win three of six. Well, they're 0 and 3. How do yeah. they stop the bleeding? Because they've got to do it fast. Yeah, well, it's hard because obviously they, they, on the back of that, they lose Adam Fanua Blake for two weeks, um, Dylan Walker, as you said, and they weren't a star-studded roster. Like, Des Hazel is a super coach and gets the best out of players. But once you lose Tom Travojevic, Dylan Walker, Adam Fanua-Blake, it certainly brings any side back to the field. It's, 
injuries can affect you. Suspension's going to be a huge impact. So, and you know, we saw the numbers when Tom first got injured. He's what they makes him a ten-point better side, whether it's defence or attack. And I don't, I don't think that stopped the bleeding this week. So, is, is it none from four out of that three from six was going to be a pass mark? Yeah, well, they do need a win, as we said. It's um, it's hard to replace players like Tommy Turbo, and they, their games definitely you know struggled without him and Dylan Walker, and then Fanua Blake. So. Um, you know, it's hard to replace that calibre of player, but um, they need to find a win this week because the season's, you know, quickly slipping away from them. And it looks like Daly Cherry Evans is trying to replace a couple of those blokes on his own. Is he in danger of continuing to overplay his hand? And is it hard not to when... Yeah, it's, it's so hard not to, you know. Yeah, he's their captain. He, he, they're obviously struggling, so he's trying to take it upon himself to, to drag them out of it. But as you said, you can fall into the habit of, of trying too hard. You can see he's getting frustrated at times as well, coming up with a few errors... Um, and also, he's probably getting a lot more attention because, as we've spoken about in the past, when you haven't got you know, different points of attack, it, it's easy for the defence just to, you know, you know Daly's going to get the ball and they can, they can mark up on him and it becomes more difficult for him as well. So, and that's what we've seen in the last few weeks. Oh, well, the Eels, they're flying uh, even without their halfback, Mitch Moses, but they're also uh, really stiffened up their defence in 2020. Let's look at their numbers and how they compare against other sides in the NRL era. Uh, through nine rounds, they've only conceded 96 points. So teams that have done that over the era, NRL era include the Roosters and Dragons uh, on two previous occasions. And in 2013 and 2010, they've gone on to win the comp. So we know they've got Noddy, you know, Moses yeah. and Gutho and, and Brown and Sevo. But how important is it for the Eels to maintain that kind of defensive display in the back end of the year if they are genuinely going to threaten for the Premiership. It's definitely important. Obviously, the, the top two defensive teams generally win the competition. You know, Brad Arthur's come out of the Melbourne Storm system, uh, understands it. Uh, it's not so much about outscoring opposition and making the... You know, you win 50 to 46 every week and then you think you're a good footy side. So it's that toughness and resilience. Um, they, they've got themselves extremely fit. They were close there last year. They've improved again this year. Campbell Gillard, um, Madison have been good purchases pick-up. Um, that's, that stat is also marked remarkable considering that there's the new style of football that's super quick and we're probably I reckon the points in the game would have gone up by 10 points on average so that's even better that stat so that it's happened this year with the new quickness of the game and I think when you can win games because you're never going to be at your best in attack week in week out yeah. but when you know you can win games on your defense and there might be a week where you are struggling yeah. with your fluency in attack but you've got the confidence to know we can win this game through our D and that's what the you know, that's what they did on the weekend now, they weren't at their best with the ball, but they knew they can go down there to Newcastle and tough out a game with their defence, and they came away with a win. All right, Sunday Arvo footy uh, at 2pm is back. The Sunday night game is now gone uh, for the season. So the Warriors and Sharks face off on the Central Coast at 2pm on Sunday. Petahiku escaped with a fine for a tripping charge, so he's been cleared to face the Sharks. Cody Nikaruma returns at 5.8 after missing last week, replacing Chanel Harris-Tavita, who drops to 18th man. Eliasar Kartora is in the back row, with Jack Murchie joining the reserves. The Sharks have been hit with another hamstring injury to another of their key men. Andrew Fafita will miss three weeks with his latest setback in a boost. Ronaldo Mulitalo is back after recovering from an injury. He replaces Nene McDonald on the wing. Toby Rudolph starts at lock with Jack Williams dropped to 18th man. And Connor Tracy and Scott Sorensen are fresh faces on the bench. Noddy after this... I ran, hang on, I ran the Esplanade today. PB today. So if they keep losing hamstring injuries, I'm a chance. You're a chance. I'm a chance. Well, Robbie's ruled himself <laughs> out for any return. I'm a chance. Last year. 
I did a couple of four and fives last week. I'm, a, I'm, I'm back. Okay. Well, I'll let, uh, they've got to keep stretching <laughs> down that bottom. I'll, I'll get on the phone to John Morris uh, after the show. Um, of course, the Warriors, uh, Ken Malmalo, Dave Fusatua, Ignatius Parsi and King Vuni Yayawa are all set to return to New Zealand after yeah. this match. With the players knowing that, their teammates, will they be inspired or plagued by that? Oh, I think they'll be looking forward to going home. It's been the drama for them. Uh, they've sacrificed so much. They come out here, obviously, when COVID hit. They were promised that their families will, will, will be allowed to join them. They've stayed here for a period of time. That They've got to a stage where they're like, you know what, I want to go home and see my family. So they, if they know they're going next week, if they know if it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're, they're counting down the days to jump on that plane. Unfortunately, in my mind, they're not counting down. This will be the last game we could probably play in season 2020. They're going, in four days, I'll be home. In three days, I'll be home. I can't wait to get home. So is that a good thing for their individual performances? No. And how will it affect their teammates? I, I, I think it's a huge effect for them. I, I think it, it's really disappointing. I, I know it's hard. I know we're in, we're COVID's hit and, and some players want to go home and see their family. I understand all that. But, and the sacrifice the Warriors have made has been enormous. But it's got to be an effect. It, it'll affect them, I believe, this weekend. If you were playing this year in 2020 and four of your teammates wanted to go home, it, it would affect the playing group? Yeah, I think it would. As Noddy said, I think in the back of those players' minds, I'll be counting down the days so they get home. And um, as a player yourself, I guess knowing that your teammates are going home, uh, in the back of the mind is there doubt? Or you know, should I stay? Should I go home? You know, I'm jealous that they're going to go see their family as well. I've got to stay here and not see my family. So, um, look, I think all those things are going to you know, affect the squad. We've seen it affect them over the last few weeks. It's built up to this point. You know, whether they can get one last win before these guys go home, I'm not too sure. But I think, like Noddy, I think it's going to have an adverse effect for, uh, on, on them this weekend. All right, the Sharks have been on a bit of a roll. Wins against the Bulldogs, Manly, the Titans. Uh, but they got a, a real reality check against the Panthers. Is that what they needed, though, to remind them of where they need to get to to be one of the best teams in the league? Oh, I don't think you ever need a, a loss like that. I think, <laughs> uh, you know, after the last few weeks, it looked like they'd got themselves back on track. They'd played some decent football, even though... They didn't really play any, anyone of note, to be honest. Um, and this was a really good test for them coming into this game against Penrith. And, and they would have thought that they were, you know, would have a red-hot crack against a, a really strong Penrith side. But unfortunately, they just got blown off the park. And as you said, I think it was a bit of a, a reality check for the Sharks. And uh, no team that's conceded 50 points has gone on to win the comp. So is that the red line through the Sharks? Yeah, I think the red line through the Sharks a, a few weeks back. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to move on to the last game of the round. The Panthers, of course, their big win over the Sharks. They take on the Cowboys in their return to Panthers Stadium on Sunday at 4.05pm. After scoring four tries on debut, Charlie Staines isn't in the Panthers lineup after he breached the NRL's strict coronavirus protocols. He remains in isolation after going to hospital with a case of lockjaw in the early hours of Sunday morning. Uh, Dean Farre is named in the centres, set to return from a toe injury, while Spencer Leniu remains on the bench in place of Zane Tedevano, who has a back problem. Massive news out of North Queensland, as we mentioned off the top. A hammer blow for Paul Green. Val Holmes gone for at least two months after undergoing ankle surgery yesterday. Justin O'Neill takes his place on the wing. The bad news doesn't get any better. Sorry, the news doesn't get any better. Scott Drinkwater will miss four to six weeks with an ACL injury with Mitch Dunn to make his first ever start in the halves. Peter Holler will miss uh, six weeks after suffering a wrist dislocation. There could be uh, some respite with Jordan McLean and John Asiata 
named to return from injury. Elsewhere, 19-year-old back Dejan Assi has been named to make his NRL debut from the bench. Apparently, he goes by the nickname of Mustard. Dejan, Dejan. <laughs> Not my material. <laughs> Fresh out of uh, the mouth of Ben Lonergan. Welcome here, Zach Bailey. The, the, the Cowboys media <laughs> manager. Uh, we spoke off the top of the show about the Bulldogs' interest in Trent Barrett. Last time he was sought out by another club. He yeah. signed with Manly mid-year. The Panthers put him on gardening leave, didn't want him involved. But given how he has transformed the Panthers' attack this yeah. year, surely the Panthers learn from that and keep him involved with the club. Oh, I think so, yeah. He's a big part of their attack, as you said. Uh, it's a prof- professional game now. If he was able to go off and win the... The dog's role, then he can do his work in the background. He can come to work and be professional. Uh, he might have to have a, a, a handshake agreement with Ivan or anyone at Penfield and say, you know what, I will not try and steal one of our own players because of my relationship I've created with them. Uh, that might be a way that they get around that. But um, I would certainly think that he will stay at the club if he gets the Canterbury job and they can be adults and work through it. How long do those handshake agreements last in rugby league? Oh, I won't take any of your players. No, I, I, mate... That, that's how it should be, though. It's, it might. That's how, that, if you've got honesty and integrity, he should be able to go to the Penrith board and say, you know what, guys, I appreciate you letting me go and speak to him because he's contracted, gets the head job at the, at the Canterbury Football Club and then goes, you know what, I will not try and steal any of our plays. Yeah, but if he's got the Bulldogs' colours on and he knows that a Penrith player is going to make them a better team, make them win games, and that's his job as a head coach to win games... Well, keep him, keep him contracted then. Don't let him out yeah. of your contract. But then there's unrest there if he wants to join the Bulldogs. Well, then he leaves. And no one wins. No one wins. Uh, Val Holmes, <laughs> uh, he's a big loser, I guess, out of the weekend. I yeah. don't know whether he was rushed back early or not, but he re-suffered uh, or re-injured his ankle. Uh, the, not only the injury to him, but Scott Drinkwater, the only consistent in their halves all year. Does that end any hope with the likes of Michael Morgan set to come back that the Cowboys can get something out of this season? Yeah, look, I think so. Obviously, losing Val, he obviously wasn't... 100% the last few weeks, there were, there were question marks as to why he was moved to the wing and this probably ha- yeah, has something to do with it because of the ankle and as you said, Scotty Drinkwater's probably been their most consistent player this year and, and now he's gone long term as well. So look, they're gonna, really going to struggle and look, not just the Cowboys, but I think what we've seen this year is there's been a lot of injuries, uh, yeah, a lot of long term injuries to key players and I don't know if, if it's because of the break and what's happened over COVID and things like that, but I think the longer the season goes on, the team that can stay fit and keep their best 17 on the park is going to have the best chance of winning this comp. You know, we've seen, you know, the Roosters are going to, I think, even though they're going well, they've lost a lot of key players long-term. You know, the Raiders we spoke about, you know, Brisbane have had injuries, the Sharks, the Cowboys, and all, all these teams are struggling. So I think the team that can keep their players fit moving forward, now, that's going to go a long way to giving them, themselves a chance you know, to win the grand final. All right. The North Queensland Cowboys have conceded 36 points or more on four occasions this year. Uh, one former player, their former captain, um, Jonathan Thurston. I was about to say Jason Tamalolo. Of course, he's not retired yet. Uh, Jonathan Thurston, he hasn't been too happy with their defensive display uh, so far. This is what he had to say after their latest loss on Channel 9 against the Roosters. The Cowboys' defence, when I was watching their defence, especially their edge defence, there's no talk when they're getting off the line. The three-man's not talking to his outside man or his inside man. There's no pointing, so no-one's got any idea if they're staying in or they're staying out. So uh, it was pretty much a training run there for the Roosters in that second half. It's tough times for the Cowboys moving forward, but, um, you know, uh, defence is an attitude thing. You want, you want effort. And you want attitude in your defence. And uh, that second half, I didn't see um, much of that at all tonight. So it's worrying signs for the Cowboys. 
Noddy, the inability for the Cowboys to work and fight for each other in defence, what does that highlight about the current Cowboys playing group? Oh, there's an experience there, definitely. Obviously, they've lost some senior players. Uh, they've had different positional changes. I, I know other sides are handling it better, but it's the new style of football. It's, you know, if you want to play up and in defensively on the edges, you're going to get burnt quite a lot in the new style because the attack wins the play the ball, the attack's going forward, and the defence get caught out. So, yeah, it's, it's experience. It's disappointing. There's a massive gap at the moment between the top and the bottom, unfortunately. All right, well, hopefully we see the Cowboys bounce back in some form against the Panthers, who are flying so far in 2020. You can catch this match and all the others across our broadcast partners. Nine, Foxtel, Sky New Zealand are using the KO app and also right here on NRL.com using your Telstra Live Pass. All right, we avoided them at the top of the show because we didn't have time for them. But let's take a look back at the round nine predictions uh, from Noddy and Robbie. Canberra, Melbourne, Golden Point. George Williams kick a winning field goal. The Storm win it. Melbourne 20, Canberra 14. Luke Thompson will shine for the Dogs. There he is, a bit of vigour in this tackle. Thompson, here we go. I'd like to see the Dragons play north-south. Hunt puts the big man over. So it was my idea to scrap it, but our producer, uh, Chad, said we had to play it because you finally got one right. So well done, That was too quick. That was, too correct. that was too correct. That was too correct. Hallelujah. <laughs> Robbie, another curse on a halfback. What's doing? Yeah. Cursing everyone yeah. this year. Anyway, who, who are you cursing this week? Uh, this week, so last week we saw five tries for Ikevalu, three tries Gagai, four tries Charlie Sainz. It was a week of the wingers. Mm. I'm predicting this is going to be the week of the front rowers. We're going to see four front rowers score a try. Oof. In this round of NRL. I love it. Brett Kamali, can you do better than that? I'm going to have three teams I believe will win by 20-plus points. So who are the three teams? The Roosters, the Storm, and the hottest team in the competition at the moment, the Panthers. The Panthers. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Cowboys, again, no chance. Uh, the players poll was <laughs> released uh, across NRL.com and the Sydney Morning Herald uh, yesterday and today. It's the brainchild of Michael Chamis. Uh, one of the areas and categories was focusing on expansion. Let's take a look at what the players thought about where the next team should be based if the NRL does expand. Almost half of them uh, say it should be in Brisbane ahead of Perth and the New South Wales Central Coast. As for if there is enough talent to expand across 17 teams, 83% say yes, there is. I guess that's because a lot of them want contracts uh, beyond this year or in the next few years. But in all seriousness, Robbie, do you believe there is enough talent to accommodate a 17th team in the NRL? Not next year, but looking like 2023. Uh, I don't think there is. I'd love to see another team. I think we, we as a game, we probably have to expand. Uh, yeah, you'd love to see a team in Brisbane and eventually over on the west coast of Australia as well. But... Unfortunately, I don't think there is enough talent. I think we've seen that this year with the amount of injuries that we've had in certain clubs. Players coming in that just aren't up to the level of NRL week in, week out, and those clubs have struggled. So for me, uh, no, we don't have enough talent. Noddy, looking deeper into the issue, how much effect do you think this current coronavirus pandemic uh, will have an effect on the development of players who are on the edge of yeah. the elite level over the next four or five years? Because some of them may not play any more footy this year. That's right. And, and that development period about that 18, 19, 20-year-old kid that yeah, he grows into a man and learns how to play professional rugby league, is, it's stalled this season. Clubs will make probably rash or poor business decisions when they 
go next year if there's going to be a Canterbury Cup and an under-20s campaign. So oh, I think it'll affect a lot of the development. I actually think there's enough plays for a 17th team to happen, and I do hope it does go to Brisbane because I think that market is big enough and strong enough to support another team. We get a whole new business interest, new bit, new sponsorship interest. Uh, it, it might also, unfortunately, have the, the effect that the English Super League might lose a lot more of their quality players by coming to the NRL. Hmm. Do you think there's enough talent up in Queensland at the moment? A genuine question when you've got the three Queensland cl clubs that are they struggling. Have, they don't have to be Queenslanders, though, to play up there. Yeah, they don't, but you'd like to think that there's a pretty big catchment area. A lot of their players are going to be locals. So, oh, you know, for me personally, I'd love to see us go to the west coast of Australia and Perth. really, yeah. Why, you want to get over the, to Perth oh, a few more times? Nice warm weather, <laughs> close to Bali. COVID <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Um Of course, uh, Inside the NRL is back next Monday from 5pm with Katie Brown, Michael Chamis and Jamie Sow. This week they spoke to Brad Fittler and Jack Whiten ahead of the grand final rematch. So make sure you check that out on is NRL Mike, is, Mike, is Michael Chamis survivable Monday? Because I've seen him everywhere in the it? last five days. Triple I've M. I've seen him on radio, TV, newspaper. What's going on? Well... We don't know where you'll find Michael Chambers, but you'll find us here back next week at 3.55pm. We'll see you then.